Welcome back in. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on this Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Time for our Friday Diamond Discussion. Thanks to Red Door Jewelers in downtown Randolph, where every visit is a home run. Red Sox salvaged the series last night against the Astros with a 12-8 win. They look to uh, do some damage within the division this weekend against the Toronto Blue Jays. Joining us now is one of the voices of the Blue Jays and longtime Major League Baseball voice over at ESPN and ESPN Radio. It's Dan Schulman. Dan, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm doing well, Brady. How about yourself? Good. I appreciate you being with me and taking some time. Before I get to the Red Sox, I need to draw on your baseball acumen. So we have been talking about this prior to this interview. In Vermont, we don't see a whole lot of high school draft prospects, okay? And draft's coming up about a month from now. And there's a kid here in central Vermont who's 94 miles an hour who's dominating the state. He threw 105 pitches in a state semifinal game on Wednesday. The state championship game is on Sunday, and we're trying to figure out how exactly he should be handled. Should he pitch fully? Should he pitch partly? Should he not pitch at all? I mean, there's certainly risk in throwing him, and I don't know that I want to be the coach that risks this baseball future. How do you handle this situation? Well, so it's three days rest. Yes. I, I can say for sure if it was Saturday, I would say no, and if it was Monday, I would say yes, but I, I would have some reservations, and I don't know what the high school rules are there. I, I don't yep. know if, you know what rules they have to adhere to I, I think I would uh, it's tough to put the kid in that situation to say do you want to pitch the kid uh, is going to say yes I, I think I probably would let him pitch but I, I would ha- I wouldn't let him throw 105 pitches again I, I would have a, a very strict pitch limit on him you know maybe 60 or 70 pitches something like that I mean it is three days rest I don't know how often he's thrown 105 pitches before but I, I think I'd let him go out there for a short while all right well we appreciate your baseball acumen because we've been tackling with that issue for the entirety <laughs> of the show prior to you uh, coming that, on that's a hard one and and again you know the, the kid's only 18 he wants the ball I, I'm sure so um, you know hopefully I've looked at hopefully they've looked at it from uh, from all sides and whatever happens he uh he emerges healthy. Well, I'll put something back in your wheelhouse now, and that's Major League Baseball. And the Blue Jays come to town tonight, 31-29. and They're two games over five hundred, but it's kind of amazing considering all they've been through. They've missed uh, Teoscar Hernandez because of COVID. They lost their closer, Kirby Yates, before the season even started. George Springer hasn't really played, and they don't really have a home, Dan. Yeah, they have gone through a lot, uh, you know, compared to the other 29 teams. Um, their bullpen also has been above and beyond Kirby Yates has been decimated by injuries. David Phelps out for the year. Ryan Barucki is out. Julian Merriweather is out. So four of their top six or seven bullpen arms, you know, according to the plan back in the spring, uh, are pitching for them right now. Um, They've done and they've done fine. You know, the other thing too is they've played the hardest schedule in baseball. They've played the Rays a bunch, the Yankees a bunch, the Red Sox a bunch. They haven't played the Orioles yet. Haven't played one game against the Orioles. They they start up with the Orioles next week and then they play them a lot. So. Uh, all things considered, and, and on top of it, like you said, they haven't had a home, you know, going from Dunedin to Buffalo. It's, it's been challenging for them, um, and, and they're doing okay. They, they could have won a few more than they've won because the bullpen has really been a little bit unstable the last few weeks. But I look at this next week for them as huge, four games at Fenway and then three in Buffalo against the Yankees. Those seven games may go a long way towards determining whether or not they're a contender. You know, I've been talking with media members for the last year about what it's like to cover sports during the pandemic. What is it like to call games for a team that isn't even in your country consistently? Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I've, I know I've used the word challenging already, but I'll use it again. So um, when uh, I'm in a studio in Toronto, 
Uh, I live in Toronto, so we have three announcers, and we kind of rotate around. Uh, myself, Buck Martinez, and Pat Tabler, and, and Buck and Tabby both live in the U.S. So right now, since they've gone to Buffalo, um, it, it's me with uh, whoever's doing it. I'm in a studio in Toronto. Tabby's in his house. Buck's in his house. Mm-hmm. And two of the three of us are on the game. So not only are we not at the ballpark, we're not even together. We're not even with one another because the border is still closed. And you can't just go back and forth across the border. And our company, you know, doesn't want to push the envelope with the government and try to get an exemption. They, they don't want to travel people. They want everybody to be as safe as possible. So uh, I'm sitting in a studio in Toronto with our statistician. And, and for this series, for example, Buck Martinez will be in his home down in Florida. And, uh, and away we go. You know, we've, uh, we've, uh, our company's done a great job making us as comfortable as possible, giving us all the camera angles we can get, just like a lot of other people who are broadcasting remotely. But the big difference is everybody else gets to go to the ballpark for the home games. And, and most other people are at least with their broadcast partner, uh, you know, looking through the glass or in the same room. So you can, you know, the interaction's just a little bit easier. So there are some things we're having to do a little bit differently, but we're just glad to be calling games. You know, we look at all the things the pandemic has taken from us. It's also given us some resourcefulness and some new innovative ideas. Is there any way, I dare to say, I hesitate to say it's helped your broadcast, but is there anything new your broadcasts are doing that you've kind of stumbled upon in this time? Well, the things we're doing, we're doing out of necessity. So I don't know that there are things we would keep, to be honest with Mm. you. I mean, you can't replace being at a ballpark. You just can't. You know, there are times where somebody tries to steal a base, and I don't see it, or somebody tries to score from first on a double, and and I'm a little bit late. I I just can't see it in time. So I, I don't know. You know, I think what's been discovered is that all 30 teams can do broadcasts remotely, okay, you know, we can get it done reasonably, but it's not as good as being at the ballpark. So um, off the top of my head, I, I, I would say no. Like, again, everything we're doing, we're doing because we have to do. And I hope whenever the world is back to normal, whatever that means, that our jobs will get back to the way that they were before. But, they're, they're, you know, there's no guarantee of that. Dan Schulman, longtime Major League broadcaster, ESPN, ESPN Radio. He's called College Hoops for ESPN for years, and he's one of the voices of the Toronto Blue Jays as they come to town to Fenway for a four-game series. He's here with us on our Friday Diamond discussion. You know, I was talking hockey yesterday because the interim head coach of the Canadians is a University of Vermont graduate in Dominic Ducharme, and I was asking the, our insider up in Canada, what are the Canadians meaning to Canada right now? I'm going to kind of flip the question on you. How much does not having the Blue Jays matter to Canadian fans? Like, how much is Toronto missing this team? Uh, they are missing them. There's no question. Uh, although, even if they were here right now, I don't know if we'd have fans in the stands. Yeah. Things are a little different up here, and, and I know things have really started to open up in the U.S. Um, but people are missing them, and, and they are a national team. They have fans from coast to coast. They have tons of fans. But I think the fact, obviously, that all, all 162 games are on TV, you can still watch them. But um, it, it, definitely people are missing them here. I mean, the Raptors weren't here at all the whole season, too. They played in Tampa. So, um, And this is two years now for the Blue Jays. They didn't play a single home game last year uh, either. So I, I think people are definitely missing them. And if they don't come back, well, whenever they come back, that first game, whether it's this September or next opening day or whatever it is, it's going to be a party. It's really, it's really going to be a scene. It'll be 48,000 people. But we can see from our TV ratings, like the numbers are huge. People are still watching. People love this team. Um, but, yeah, everybody would like to see them in their own country, in their own city, in their own ballpark, in their own clubhouse, 
with fans in the stands. That's the thing. If they came home, but they weren't allowed to have fans, that would look really strange. I almost think they're better off in Mm -hmm. Buffalo right now because at least they've got a crowd that's cheering them on. In Toronto, I don't know if they'd have that at the moment. How good has Vlad Guerrero Jr. been? We spent all this time a couple of years ago heralding his prospect status, and then we spent a whole year belittling his weight. And then this year, you know, he's a, a an MVP candidate. Yeah, he's been great. Absolutely great. Uh, we, we had a stat yesterday. Uh, the difference between his OPS and Shohei Otani's, who was second in the American League, was bigger than the difference between Otani's and 27th place. That's, wow. that's how big of a gap there is in the American League. There are some guys in the NL, but just looking at the American League, he's been fantastic. His, you know, his talent is obvious. He's lost about 40 pounds. Um, his strike zone judgment has uh, become everything we heard it was when he was coming up in the minors. Hits the ball hard, like crazy hard. You know, it, it's Judge, Stanton, and Vladdy. Those are the, you know, those are the exit velocity uh, kings. Um, uses the whole field, walks almost as much as he strikes out, and he's playing a nice first base and he runs the bases aggressively. He's he's been great. He's been absolutely incredible. I thought he would take a big step forward this year when we heard about all the weight he lost, but. I didn't think it would be quite this much. I mean, he's been the best hitter in baseball so far this year. Marcus Semien's had a great year, too, and he took that kind of one-year prove-it deal coming over from Oakland. And, uh, you know, he struggled a bit early, but he has been sensational since. Yeah, uh, American League Player of the Month in May. Like, Vladdy could have won it, but but Simeon did. Had a monster month, and he's he's doing just as well in June right now. And, and playing second base, a little bit out of position. They they kept Obichette at short. Simeon agreed to play second. Um, Springer hasn't played, so Simeon's been the leadoff hitter, and he's done great there. He's been terrific defensively, runs the bases well, and he's been, I, I think, a quiet leader, a veteran presence in a clubhouse that has a lot of young guys. So I don't know if he's a Blue Jay in 2022, but they're certainly getting their value out of him in 2021. I have been on the train. I've said all season I thought the Red Sox were going to finish fourth. Um that said, maybe I'll up that to third this year, but I don't think they're a division-winning team. What is the perception outside um, of Boston and New England? What is your perception of the Red Sox? My perception coming into the season was they'd be better. I thought they'd be a 500 team. You know, you just looked at Eduardo Rodriguez coming back, and I know he hasn't had a good year. J.D. Martinez, obviously, would you figured would be better than he was last year. I mean, last year the pitching was just brutal for the Red Sox. Everything went wrong. So you knew the pitching was going to be better. You knew J.D. Martinez was going to hit more. I liked the pickups of Marvin Gonzalez and Kike Hernandez, and I know they haven't hit a ton, but, you know, the positional flexibility that it gives you. And, and, and any lineup with Martinez and Bogart's endeavors, you're off to a good start. So I thought they'd be a decent team. They've been better than I thought they would be. Their pitching has been better um, than I thought it would be. I'm not sure they're as good as their record. Like, if you look at the the kind of the Red Sox peripheral numbers and the Blue Jay peripheral numbers, they're almost identical in, in, in many, many ways, runs scored and ERA and so forth. It's, it seems the, uh, the Blue Jays just aren't doing as good a job in close games as the Red Sox are, and part of that are the bullpen issues the Jays have had. But um, I think Boston's good, and, and I think they're a contender for a playoff spot. I think all four teams in the East are. you got the White Sox in the Central. I'm not a huge believer in Cleveland. And then you got Houston and Oakland out west. So I think you got seven teams, and five will get in. And I, th- I think the Red Sox uh, are in play. And, and you know we're getting into mid June. If teams are are where they are now in mid July, now you're looking at trades and maybe making yourself stronger. So the longer they can keep this going, um, you know, the more I, I think people will believe in them. But I 
I, again, maybe not quite as good as their record, but I think good enough to fight for a playoff spot. You know, I think the Red Sox are in a difficult position, and I asked you at the beginning of the interview just for your baseball acumen, and I'll ask you, I'll close the interview in that same way. I don't think the Red Sox are good enough to win the division, so I don't think they go all in at the deadline, but they're also not bad enough, certainly, to be selling off pieces, so I kind of feel like they're stuck and really just waiting for Chris Sale is their move. Hmm. Yeah, that's one move. I mean, if they you want you know if you want to get another bullpen arm, you can get that pretty cheap. You know that that that's not going to you know um, plunder your farm system or anything like that. So, um, but it will be interesting because this was a year where a lot of people thought they wouldn't contend. So when it's kind of a surprise year, what do you do? That's where the Blue Jays were last year. Yeah, uh, they were kind of a year ahead of schedule last year, and they went out and acquired five guys at the trade deadline last year. So I think Hein Bloom will make. A move or two, if they're still in it. Again, not a huge move. Chris Sale would be a nice pickup, no question about it. But you can always go out and find another arm, find another bullpen arm cheap for your for like your 26th best prospect or something like that. So um, I, I think if they're in the hunt, you'll see an addition or two around the edges of the roster. Dan Schulman, longtime baseball broadcaster, ESPN, ESPN Radio, and now one of the multiple voices of the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays at Fenway this weekend, four-game series, big series within the ALE. So, Dan, we appreciate the time as always, the perspective, and have a great series, and we'll talk to you again down the line. All right. Thank you. Take care.